0: Hey, guys, welcome back to the Fans Only Meeting. It's now week four. We've seen four, three games. We're previewing two more games. With me, as always, is my brother-in-law, Chris Maricus. Chris, how are you doing this evening?
1: Fine. Yeah. I I'm in pain. It hurts. It sucks.
0: Losing is the worst.
1: I had, I had a, a Missouri fan, and he just kept texting me during the game. He would just text me, drink up. Like every third down, you just drink up. And it was so frustrating. But yeah, I'm, otherwise I'm all right. We've already lost. We, you know, this is the second loss. So like I can deal with it.
0: It's callousing the mind, you know, just getting, getting used to it. But I mean, like coach O just lied to us, man. Like I'm sad because I feel hoodwinked by coach O and like you said, I, I, I dragged my sorrows away. Like the whole day, I'm very hungover right now. Like every every single thing that the man highlighted during the offseason season turned out to be a weakness.
1: Yeah, like, he duped us
0: totally. Like uh, he, he, he literally said the running back to be the strength of our team. Well, we ran the ball seven times in the first half. But the running backs may have
1: been a strength of our team. They just didn't give him the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Offensive line is another strength of team. Nah. Hadn't seen that.
1: The The other thing I, I uh, wrote down was that it's kind of rude of Mizzou to beat us with the hurricane and us losing, you know, it was our home game, and they shouldn't have treated us like that. I mean, it was not hospitable at all.
0: No, no. But, I mean, the Mizzou faithful is not really from the south, so they don't really know hospitality, I guess. I don't know. I agree. Very rude. Very rude. But I mean yeah. like Orgeron literally said this offseason that the defense is gonna win us football games. I'm like, where where'd you see that? <laughs> there's there's <laughs> ten games. It just,
1: for it to win us football games, plural, just needs two.
0: Just you're right, you're right, you're right, yeah. Man,
1: brutal. But, Those two, I mean, if if you asked me before the season if it was going to be Vandy and Mizzou, I probably would have said, yep, and bet a paycheck on it. So, good thing I didn't do that. (laughs) You know, the the other thing we saw this week, for the first time ever, the first time I can remember, is that defense is optional to play in the SEC. LSU gave up almost 600 yards. Alabama gave up over 600 yards, 647 yards, um, and had 723 themselves. Florida gave up 543 yards. Like, those are three schools that are, like, they have, like, juggernaut defenses. They pride themselves on having a defensive mindset, and they just eh, they just quit playing defense. They're just done with it.
0: it, it right. It, def, defense is optional. Like, the SEC is now the Big 12. Like, you say, yeah, all these schools with these perennially powerful defenses gave up all these yards, and, yeah, it's crazy that LSU, Alabama, and Florida all gave up more than 500 yards. But – Every single one of them also had over 400 yards. Like yeah. the whole defense is optional. It's not just those teams having bad defenses this year, it's the whole league. No one's playing defense except for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. Well, and so I was telling uh, I saw my wife this. I was like, I used to think, like 2013, 2014, I used to think it would be so nice to have a good offense, like to have an incredible offense. They'd be like, I don't even want a good defense. A good offense would be so much more fun, like pining over what TCU and Baylor have. But then, like, now we have it. It's like, it's so much worse, because with a good defense, you can watch the game. You know, your defense gets a stop. You're like, okay, now we just need to score on offense. And then you do a three and out, and then you're like, okay, well, at least our defense will stop them. Right Now, it doesn't matter what your offense does. You know your defense isn't going to stop them. So well, it's like, So
0: like, If the defense does something good, then, like, at least you're still in the game because like if your offense sucks and your defense is good, no matter what happens, you're still going to be in the football game right now. We're just, it just seems like we're not, you know, and Alabama, Alabama giving up 650 yards of offense is just absolutely ridiculous for Nick Saban coach team And Florida doing almost giving up 550 is absolutely insane, but let's move on. Defense is now optional. We're big 12 fans now apparently. Um, so let's get into the games we covered last week. Let's talk about it. Um, Florida A&M going back on the defensive side of things. Florida literally could not get off the field on third down.
1: Yeah. 12 for 15 on third down is insane. But I mean, I like congrats to Texas A&M, I guess. Yeah. Not from me. Not from me personally, but congrats to Texas A&M.
0: I I mean, fine. Rush seems like a nice guy. So, like, I'll, like, tip my cap to him. But, like, whatever. Yeah.
1: Congrats to Rush, yeah. personally, no specifically, <laughs> only. But, like, I've seen some stuff that's, like, Skip Bayless used to destroy LeBron James and say he wasn't clutch. I think people rip into Kellen Mond, too, for the same type of thing. He can't win big games. And it's, like, people are, like, no, no longer say that Kellen Mond cannot win big big games. Hell, no. He just won one. That doesn't count. Yeah. It's
0: like It's got an asterisk by it. Let's yeah. move on. Let's Yeah. And, and the other <laughs> thing that was really fun, just reading through Twitter on this game, I'm. It, it's happening at the same time as the LSU game. So I'm watching this game, and I'm seeing am seeing AM and have success on my cell phone while I'm watching the LSU game on my TV. And I'm watching it, and I'm looking at Twitter on my desktop. And the Florida fan base was literally calculating what Todd Grantham's buyout was after, like during the game because of how bad they were on third down. It was ridiculous.
1: I hate to say it, but I know the feeling, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. No idea. But
1: this, and again, this is the last thing I'll say on Texas A and in Florida, but like it just goes back to like everything we want to happen and everything we think is going to happen on this podcast just comes out being wrong. Who knew?
0: Who knew? Not us.
1: Who knew, who knew that starting a podcast would cast a magical spell that, like, guaranteed sadness?
0: Verbal meme, we're going to be like Paul Rudd, except for instead of smiling, we'll just be crying. But safe. who would have thought? Who would have thought?
1: Look at us. Two yeah. sorry suckers. Yeah. Speaking of some not-so-sorry suckers, Georgia's the real deal, and they showed it against Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, all facets of the game. They look good.
0: They did. Tennessee looked good. Tennessee might Tennessee might be the second most complete team in the East. And, they I mean, they held their own for half of the game against UGA. They're a good team, not a great team, but they are a good team for the first time in a long time. They are an actual good, good football team. And, and Georgia's manhandled in the like second half.
1: Yeah, Georgia looks like a world beater. They
0: look yeah. good. They look like the best team in the conference because – in the same weekend, Alabama played a lesser Ole Miss team and gave up 650 yards of offense.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. Ole Miss, old miss, as I like to call them, with Lane Kiffin, <laughs> is going to be fluky all year because he's going to get them up for games, but I still don't think they, like, win too many that they shouldn't. Yeah. We'll yeah. see.
0: I know. Um, but poor all right. Let's- man.
1: Pruitt. Yeah, Pruitt looks good. Pruitt's a good hire. They got their guy, clearly.
0: And the mailman at Georgia, dude, that guy is delivering. It's going to be interesting to see how he does against Bama this week, um, kind of previewing one of the games we're going to be covering. It, him delivering, just playing from ball like our guest Stephen said uh, a couple weeks ago, it's true. And in the U- UGA defense, man, they are – they're just insane.
1: They're a brick wall. Yeah, Stetson Bennett IV is going to be like an Athens legend for years to come.
0: Yeah, yeah, that actually brings me to my comment from Mark Maxwell. Stetson Bennett Bennett is undoubtedly the most famous walk-on quarterback in SEC history, having his first two starts beating Auburn and Tennessee. (laughs) He's going to be a legend. He's going to have a bar called the post office in downtown Athens someday.
1: He's never going to have to buy anything ever again.
0: (laughs) It happens. So the next game that we're going to cover is the Florida LSU football game, which recently was postponed due to COVID-19. We actually recorded the majority of this intro and all the interviews prior to the postponement, but we wanted to come back and change this because we didn't really feel like what we had was fitting at all to what's actually going to be happening on Saturday, which is no football game.
1: Yeah. Uh, we had, And, you know, we we went back and forth on this for a long time today. It seemed like, you know, we had such a good time with Scott and Marshall talking about the football game. And we feel like their conversation was applicable whether they play or not and was definitely entertaining. So, for sure, want to keep it in here and touch on it because there's a lot of storylines that come out of this game, especially us being LSU fans and kind of intimately familiar with what's going on. But Yeah, um,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Clay, go ahead and get into it. I mean, what what do you think about this?
0: Honestly, man, I don't want to make light of the COVID situation in Florida. I really don't. You know, it's a, it's a very bad situation that's going on and it's really happening across the conference. I mean, again, we recorded most of this stuff before this happened, but since we finished recording, Nick Saban got COVID, there's 19 players in Florida with COVID. Apparently there's some sort of outbreak in Oxford as well, but I think that if you asked both of these coaches on Monday, do you want to play this football game on Saturday? I think that both of them would have said, no, I would rather play on December 12th. Mainly, I think that from an LSU standpoint, LSU probably could take this week to figure out what the hell's going on with their defense. Yeah, it's
1: another week of camp. It's like an extra week of camp. It's an (laughs) extra built-in by and Florida needs it, too. Florida needs it just as bad as LSU does to figure out how to tackle, figure out how to chase the ball carrier, play linebacker. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. They, did, they got some They got some soul searching to do, but now's the perfect time to do it. You know, It yeah. kind of gives you a chance to regroup after, for Florida, a tough loss to Texas A&M, and kind of a derailment of what could have been their best shot at a national championship in the last decade. And then, for LSU, a chance to kind of, like, get right, need to get studying on simplifying and maybe the players get studying on the playbook. So yeah, I mean, I almost tweeted out and I'm glad I didn't because I would have like had to. I'm not a Catholic, but go to a Catholic church and repent for my sins. I'd felt so guilty if I had actually sent it out. But I almost sent out in response to when they said 19 Florida players. I almost said I hope it's the good ones, and I'm so glad I. Like, I just had to check myself in this time of COVID. But yeah, I mean, they
0: say hindsight's 2020, but foresight.
1: Yeah, And good thing. Good thing I was seeing foresight with 2020. I hope everybody who's sick doesn't, you know.
0: Yeah, obviously we don't 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 wish any ill will towards any of those players. But from a strictly football standpoint, if we just want to talk about that, you hit the nail on the head. This is probably Florida's best chance in the past decade to make it to the national championship, at least make it to the playoff. And if they lost this game, they would have had no shot. Now they can get right, they can figure out some stuff on defense, and they don't likely won't have 19 players out due to COVID-19. LSU, on the other hand, they were going in without their starting quarterback. Their best receiver apparently was questionable too, which I don't know what happened to him, but he's questionable if, if we would have played this game this week. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when this game gets rescheduled to December 12th. But, you know, this storyline is not going to change with this game itself. I don't see either of these defenses becoming great defenses. So I think that we're going to have a game that is going to be extremely high scoring and fun to watch game. But December 12th, the storylines are, are going to be a little bit different. We'll probably cover that game when it comes.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, this was set up to be the Disappointment Bowl. It was set mm-hmm. up to be two teams who were, like, way underperforming. Maybe Florida's – we couldn't say Florida's way underperforming, but – LSU is way underperforming. Florida just kind of like shit the bed against Texas A&M.
0: Yeah. Well, both fan bases are pretty sad right now.
1: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the disappointment aspect is there's, you're not finding too many happy Gators and too many happy Tigers. That's right.
0: Well, one last thing that we had that we wanted to touch on was I, I know you probably agree with this, but I'm very, very happy that this did not go down the way the 2016 hurricane situation went down. There was not any pissing matches between athletic directors everyone kind of got on the phone and said look this is what we got to do
1: hey and maybe we can call that the uh scott woodward difference there's no joe Joe oliva trying to like swing his weight around or anything like that Um, but yeah i mean covid we touched on it when we were talking about foresight and hindsight but covid's such a tough touchy subject they did the right thing just go ahead and quickly move it get it done
0: yeah Okay, so the next game that we're going to talk about is the Bama UGA football game.
1: Yeah, so Bama either doesn't have a punter or didn't bring him with him. I'm leaning more towards doesn't have one because Nick Saban doesn't recruit specialists. Yeah. Uh, but they did not use him against Ole Miss.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he, he probably like left after the first quarter. was like, y'all don't need me. I'm going to go get a beer and I'll see you on the Just hang out in the locker room. (laughs) I don't need to be here to hang out. That's no no fun. (laughs) But uh, UGA, I think this game is going to come down to, is UGA going to be able to stop Bama because they're going to be able to move the ball? Or is Bama going to be able to move the ball and is UGA going to be able to keep up with Bama?
1: Yeah. And when I think the, the matchup definitely favors Bama because I don't I don't think Mac Jones I like I definitely think Mac Jones is the better quarterback of the two. But um this is
0: definitely a game that we need to predict because we're always wrong and we need to predict that Bama beats Georgia so that Georgia wins. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm so frustrated in myself. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but yeah, it, it should be – like, it, historically, it would be a big, ugly, strength-on-strength strength game. But it, it looks like it's going to be – probably. I would suspect it's going to be a shootout. No yeah. matter what happens, it's going to be a shootout.
0: Yeah, I mean, Alabama's defense did struggle against Lane Kiffin, but Lane Kiffin's Lane Kiffin. So, yeah. Lane Kiffin's kind of an offensive genius. I, I don't see Georgia – I, I guess I have a little bit of a different opinion than you because I don't see Georgia moving the ball quite like – Ole Miss did because Ole Miss has Lane Kiffin call the shots, and, and Lane and Kiffin also was on Nick Saban's staff for five years.
1: Yeah, and I I refuse to believe that the Alabama defense is as bad as what it looked like on Saturday. Yeah, until I see that consistently for like a whole. I mean, I guess I can't say like, oh, I won't believe it till I see it because I just saw it, but I won't believe it till I see it again. How about that?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I mean, it's you can't think that Alabama's going to have two stinkers like that in a row. Because, I mean, there was a point in the fourth quarter, for most of the fourth quarter, where it looked like Bama might actually lose.
1: Yeah. Which was if, it, if it wasn't for that screwed-up onside kick by the old Miss kicker.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's kick it over to the fans now.
1: Yeah, so this week, like we said, we recorded some of the interviews before the cancellation and all the COVID news broke, but – We've got Scott Samlin, repeat guest, and we've got Marshall Bird coming on to talk UF, LSU, uh, from a perspective as if the game were happening, but it was kind of an overarching conversation that we had a lot of fun recording. So we're going to go right into that. Y'all can play the game as if it was to happen. Maybe use your imagination. And then we go Mark Maxwell, archivist and historian for UGA, and then we close out with Frank from Bama, and he gives a strong interview, too. So we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. Okay, joining us, we've got fans from Florida and LSU covering a spicy rivalry that's East-West, and uh, it has a lot of history behind it. Representing Florida for the second week in a row, we've got Scott Sandlin uh, off a tough loss to Texas A&M. Sorry to bring it up, and then equally sorry to bring it up, off a tough loss to Missouri, we've got Marshall Berg joining us for the first time on the show. Thanks for coming on, guys. How y'all doing?
2: I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I could be here not to be a Lonson fan, though.
3: (laughs) Too sad to say hello this week.
0: Yeah, okay. So, Scott, I'll I'll go uh, in alphabetical order and uh, also in least disappointing order, but still disappointing order. In one word, explain your defense.
3: One word? One Uh, more phrase. I'll go with the reason that I drink. (laughs) um, Slash. Todd Grantham is on Georgia's payroll. It just the ineptitude across the board—it makes it, it burns me to my soul, to my very core. Because it's not like we don't have talent on the defensive side of the ball. Like, yes, we've lost uh, a lot of our pass rush. We lost C.J. Henderson last year to the Jaguars, which I'm a fan of. So misery is is my is my main game. If you guys couldn't tell, but 548 yards, I think, is what it was. Is this is this the Big Twelve that we're playing in all of a sudden? I, I just I don't understand. Uh, there was a fake tweet yesterday that went out from a fake Brett McMurphy Twitter handle that said that Todd Grantham was fired, and I stood up from my work chair and I looked over at my girlfriend and I yelled, "Jesus is real." And- <laughs> and she said what are you okay and i said jesus is real and i just kept repeating it and repeating it and then I, I looked at the tweet and i saw two r's in the brett mcmurphy thing and i realized that once again satan had won and i was duped
1: <laughs> indeed satan is real
0: <laughs> I mean, but y'all still have the same coordinator like y'all have had good defenses with Brantham and he I don't understand what happened. Like y'all did last year on defense.
3: Honestly, I, I've been pissed off about Grantham for the last last year especially too. I think our talent is just what hit it. He made some terrible play calls just throughout the year last year. And I mean this year he it's like it, it's honestly like he's he's an offensive coordinator almost. Like he's trying to make sure that the ball is, is flying through the air or running into the end zone, regardless of, of who happens to have the ball. Um <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I uh, I would like for him to be gainfully unemployed.
0: <laughs> do, do, do you know his buyout right now off the top of your head?
3: Whatever it is, I will start to go fund me. We Love got the off. money for it. I mean, we have the money for it. Uh, so I don't care what it is. Just, just throw money. I'm a big throw money at your problems kind of guy. This is one of the problems. Let's throw some money at it and get it out of there.
1: If you pack the swamp, you can pay for it. Yeah.
3: Well, we'll get to that in a second, won't we? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: Marshall,
0: same same kind of question. Explain your at the LSU defense in a word or phrase.
2: I picked a word, and I'd say it's probably confusing. It's kind of confusing on two parts. It's confusing for me to watch guys that are played a lot of minutes last year. I mean, a lot of minutes. These young guys had a lot of rotational minutes. And they look bad out there. I mean, just flat out bad. There's there's guys that were leaders on the on the defense last year and really stepped up. And you can say that we lost a lot of our talent to the draft, but there's enough minutes that were played that we could go out there and show out better than we did. You know, Scott wants to talk about letting up 500 plus yards of Texas a and We let up 600 something yards. People are breaking records on us. KJ Costello got benched after he hung over 600 yards, breaking SEC records on us. They scored two points because Kentucky's center snapped the ball through the end zone. That's that's tough to swallow after he's breaking records on us and then gets benched in his game versus Kentucky. And it's confusing, I think, for the players. I think adjusting to the 4-3 has been really difficult without any any time, to, you know, in the offseason to really install that. And Bo Pelini is a pretty complex defense from what I've read. But you got to either know that as a coach that you don't have enough time to get your players, you know, up to par, up to speed, to be able to run your schemes, or you make adjustments with something they can at least know and try to stop the bleeding because we're getting records broken on us left and right with talent that I know is capable of doing it.
0: Well, I mean, you say that it's a complex defense, but Dave Aranda is like – nationally renowned for having one of the most complex defenses around and it didn't seem to be that complicated for him last year i don't I don't really understand what's
2: you're talking about you're talking about Dave Aranda who's been around for you know however many years at lSU and these young guys get into the system from day one they've I mean this is installing new scheme right I mean and Dave Aranda you know I know you guys talk a lot about quarterback whispers and that was a big segment last week for y'all I want to talk about linebacker whispers. I mean, Dave Aranda took a guy, Patrick Queen, who I just thought would be a contributor rotationally. That guy might win defensive player, defensive rookie of the year uh, in the NFL this year. I mean, he went from rotationally playing that I only thought was going to get minutes spelling out Michael Divinity. And with Divinity's issue, saw the field a lot more, and he ended up rising his draft stock all the way to the first round and dominating for the Ravens right now.
0: I want to Dude. start a good for me to get Dave Aranda away from... Baylor to come back and be the
2: defensive coordinator at LSU. Yeah, let's start that. A- uh, but but back to linebacker thing. Damone Clark was a good player last year. I mean, I watched him with my own eyes. Said this guy is the truth. He is getting after the quarterback. He looks strong back there. He looks. I mean, he played a lot of snaps. And this year, he's the number 18. Which you know, this is a tradition that might need to die after this year because he doesn't even look like he's hustling out there. He looks lost. He looks like he's waiting for other people to make the tackles. He looks slow. And I don't want to go in on him because I think he's a great kid and a great leader. But you can't tell me that there's not people on the bench that want to play more, want to get to the hole faster, want to learn this scheme better than what I've seen with my own eyes so far in three games. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's get a pick-me-up. Everybody cheer up. We're going to talk about offense now. Scott, in in the same question format, in, in a word or a quick phrase, describe your offense. Uh, Florida's offense
3: is the first time you spent the night at your buddy's house in like sixth or seventh grade. And his parents, like they didn't put a block on the HBO channel. And you got to see porn for the first time in your life. And it was just the greatest thing that you've ever witnessed. And you were like, holy shit, where did this come from? I've been without this for the last 10 to 11 years, depending on your age or however long you've had to endure Will Muschamp or goddamn Jim McElwain. It's the same <laughs> thing. It's the exact same thing. It's like watching Da Vinci paint or whatever he did, but then someone throws it on the ground named Todd Grantham and crushes all your hopes and dreams because he doesn't oh, want you to be happy in this world.
0: This is the happy segment, we wanna hear yeah, it. <laughs> right, right, right. That
3: <laughs> so the, the Kyle to Kyle connection is obviously electric. You know, before before the season started, I think uh, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, you know, all the draft heads, they had this, uh, this tight end out of Penn State ahead of Kyle Pitts, um, just as far as the rankings are concerned. And us down in, uh, down in Gator Country, we scoffed at such a thing because we knew exactly what we had. I think Pitts had, what, five touchdowns, five or six touchdowns the entirety of last year. But he was still such a dominating presence on the field. You could really see that his junior year he was going to absolutely take off. I mean, the, the kid's unstoppable. It's it's like watching LeBron James, you know, on the basketball court, you know, playing a bunch of AAU kids. I mean, it's it's insane to watch, you know, like I mentioned last week, very happy with all of our receivers, very happy with, with the route that our offensive going. You know, we've we've got a lot of tall guys. We've got a lot of big guys, and, and Kyle Trask is, is throwing it to them, doing a good job. You know, he made a couple of mistakes last weekend, but you know, he's he's really not the reason that we lost. He's the reason that we're in this. I do think he's a legitimate Heisman t- contender, which is the first time that we can say that since good old Jesus was in town. So it's it's a very refreshing thing to see for the Gators. It's a lot of fun you to watch. Can, you can hear answers, uh, right? The last great quarter tight
2: end. That's that's the Jesus you were referring to.
3: Something like that. Yeah, the, the quarterback <laughs> tight end guy that that somehow beat uh uh, what was it the Steelers and when he was on Denver with, with one throw to I don't even remember who it was too but yeah, yeah that guy
1: I didn't uh, know Aaron Hernandez played oh
4: uh,
3: Aaron Hernandez oh, Oh, that Jesus. You mean seriously fighting
2: for Florida?
4: It, uh,
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh there's a documentary about that guy. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's, it doesn't end well for us or or the university as a whole. Urban Meyer. Uh see, this is the positive segment. You can't get me started on Urban Meyer. I'll just go off. Urban Meyer's the worst. It's his he fault. He got us two national championships, but he's actually Satan.
1: Todd Grantham. Satan B, Urban Meyer, Satan A. Ah, classic 1A, 1B situation. So, Marshall, you know, maybe maybe you'll answer with the same type of thing, like kind of pornographic description, but uh, in a word or phrase, what do you think of the LSU offense?
2: Yeah, just to go back to, to Scott's pornographic reference there, how do you think we felt after years of the less Miles system when we started out the season – last year scoring 40 some odd points throwing a tight ends throwing the running backs that was a blue ball from a long <laughs> long long era uh, can't it supposed to be in the modern day doesn't it
3: <laughs> i i truly honestly can't imagine i remember last year my buddies and i were like man can you imagine if LSU had had a quarterback this whole time i mean they'd be alabama but god that yeah that year last year listen you guys had the the year of your lives last year and I realized a couple of years ago that I think the, the fluke of Florida, not the fluke, but Florida winning in 06 and 08, I was, a, I was, like, I was in high school, slash so I was going into college, so I thought that that would be the norm, but no, no, these things are few and far between, and life is fleeting, as is your happiness, so we should all just accept it and embrace the good times while we can, uh, because then we lose to the likes
1: of A&M and Jimbo Fisher in Missouri. Well, goddamn. We were having a nice moment, and you kind of commandeered <laughs> the LSU happy segment. I'll, I'll Marshall, up, sorry, I'll take it back season. over.
2: <laughs> My word or phrase would be surprising. I think in the offseason, most everybody said that our biggest question marks are all on offense. Our biggest question mark is Miles Brennan, obviously, has the impossible task of following up the greatest season of a single player in college football history. And honestly, even from the first game when he looked a little off and didn't have the greatest reads, I still said, everybody calm down. I I think it's there and three games in, I, I think everyone can get on board saying that we're in pretty good hands in the quarterback position. Terrence Marshall connection is absolutely unbelievable. I think that, I think that given a really, really good season, you could see Marshall, Eclipsed Jamar in the draft is one of the top receivers taken. That you know, Jamar had an absolutely incredible season last year, I think even in the Heisman discussion as a wide receiver, which doesn't happen often because you have to have obviously a very talented quarterbacks even there. But if Terrace keeps dominating the way that he is and he keeps becoming this huge red zone threat, I mean he's unstoppable in the red zone. I really think that you could see NFL GMs say. You know, I don't blame Chase for sitting out the year and, you know, he's probably going to stay in shape. I don't have any concern about that. But you got a guy that's physically going to be bigger than Chase, possibly faster, pending combine results. I think you're seeing potentially Bo Pelini waste a year of one of the – Terrace Marshall could go up there with the Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. Uh, Obviously, Jamar is going to be in that pantheon of just absolutely insane LSU receivers. And to call this out, because I mentioned this with my boss earlier, at one point last season, you had on the same field for a game, you had Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Jalen Waddell, uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Meshi all in the same field, playing at the same time. Those are all potentially number one for an NFL team receivers. They're number one guy. That, to me, is just absolutely insane.
0: That is ridiculous. And one thing I will highlight, so both of y'all talked about this connection that both of these quarterbacks have with one receiver. Both of those receivers, and tight end in the Florida case, but really he's a receiver more so than a tight end. They're tied at the top of the league with seven touchdowns. Miles Brennan is thrown for 10 touchdowns in the first three games of the season, and seven of them have been to Terrence Marshall, and Kyle Pitts has thrown 14, and seven of them have been to Kyle Pitts. I mean that
2: both those connections are just absolutely absurd. Yep. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll say something nice about Florida. Watching Kyle Pitts last year, I said this dude is the first round tight end. Oh, he but- dunked all over Stingley last year. He named his first team All American. Yeah, he abused Stingley a few times, and I said this guy's for real. He's going to be a problem. Uh, the fact that he's not draft eligible, uh, but you're seeing it in real time now. He's he's dominant, uh, and I think. I think really they kind of measure up to one another, right? They're both kind of the red zone big body threat, but they're so crisp with their route running and so sure-handed that you throw anything in the radius and just forget about covering it. Yeah, especially if LSU runs out there in zone. (laughs) 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 One thing's for
0: sure, these teams have not lost any games in their offense. Um, So wrapping things up, I'm going to start with Marshall, then end with Scott. Hopefully Marshall can bring some positive energy here, and then maybe Scott can piggyback off of that. I don't know. I know everyone's a little down the dumps. So let's see if we can make it work, guys. Marshall, give us your favorite Homer memory of this rivalry and your biggest Homer take.
2: Oh man, I mean the greatest memory I have as an LSU fan, barring you know last year's many many memories, uh, but prior to that and probably still top three for me is the 07 Florida game when Tebow came. To- Tiger Stadium. That was beyond what I thought we could achieve in that stadium as far as energy, loudness, the atmosphere was just... I got goosebumps just talking about it right now. And what's funny is that is to this day the only game that my grandma Ruth has ever attended and around the third quarter she looks at me and she goes, Marshall, is it always this crazy? And I said, not, not like this, grandma. No, it's not. That for me is always going to be... I, I think every time someone brings up what is the greatest LSU game that you've ever been to, I think even 2019 Florida will probably enter the top five for most people because that was a great atmosphere too. But there was something special about that '07 Florida game, just the the hype around Tebow, the hype around the team. It was it was truly special. Shout um, out
1: to Grandma Ruth. Shout out well, to Grandma. One of my one of my favorite stories about that game was that the LSU students got Tim Tebow's phone number somehow. <laughs> And pass it around. You know they were writing it on whiteboards, and so everybody was texting him and calling him. And in the first quarter, or second quarter, early on in the game, he's, he ran he ran in a touchdown, and ran past the student section and did the call me um, and kind of yep. acknowledged the taunting that was going on before him.
2: Little tongue in cheek on Tibo's part. Um, another yeah, right way than I, told, I thought he was. Yeah, <laughs> I told this story at a tailgate two weeks before we were depressed, but. <laughs> um, This is, this is, I I feel like I always owe Florida fans like some debt of personal gratitude or I don't know what, uh, just some story story that I have. Some Florida fan asked me when I was like in middle school, hey, how do I get to so-and-so? And And I accidentally told him the completely wrong directions. (laughs) And I was just picturing this, I mean, it was like just a regular old dude. I'm picturing him walking like 30 minutes the wrong way, just like that punk-ass middle school kid told me the wrong direction. (laughs) He's still walking. He's still (laughs) walking. He never never got out of Baton Rouge.
0: He walked on back to Gainesville. (laughs) He He told him to walk home. All right, Scott. So, obviously, it's a very historic rivalry. Um, What's your favorite memory from this rivalry?
3: I can't remember if it was 2015 or 2016. I I think it was – I don't know. It was was one of those two years. um, It was actually at LSU, I believe, and – we threw like a Hail Mary touchdown to tie it at the end of the game. I don't know if it was tied to win, but I was in a bar in Nashville, drunk out of my mind. And it was the happiest moment that i <laughs> felt in a long time. Cause I, I truly hate LSU. And at that time for the Gators, I didn't have a lot of faith in us. So to see something so heroic in such a late moment was truly magical. I still think you guys ended up winning that game, but that still w- would be like my favorite memory. Like last year, 2019 I was watching it from a uh, from a rented boat for an engagement party and we were on like a 2 minute delay and it was the biggest stress of my entire life and then we had to like listen to the whole goddamn thing on the way home from the radio. I actually haven't had a lot of good memories against LSU. It's actually a very stressful time for me uh as a Florida <laughs> fan. Yeah, I see I, I what about the jump pass Dude, there's so many jump passes that we've done. can <laughs> they just blur together? Oh, yeah, jump- there's, oh. there's so many jump passes. See, I, I thought it was going to be the, uh, the, the give the biggest homer take that was going to happen uh, like for this game. So I was going to say Miles Brennan sounds like the name of an actor on a Fox television series who just happens to play a quarterback but isn't <laughs> actually one in real life. Uh, so I was wildly unprepared
1: for this moment. But that's what I had for. <laughs> so have you seen pictures of Miles Brennan? I have. And I came yeah, by my statement. He looks about like an actor who was cast to play a quarterback on FX or maybe FXX. Yep. 100%.
3: <laughs> he's like, he's like the, the knockoff Friday Night Lights version of whatever Middle America, whatever Texas thinks of like a quarterback, quintessential, It's it's that guy.
2: He's like Dak Shepard got hired to play young Eminem.
1: <laughs> wow, you nailed that. That's
3: exactly what he is.
1: <laughs> I like Miles Brennan and I'm an LSU fan, but I think he smiles too much. That's my take on him. He's
0: too um, happy
1: all right. Me. So this is a contentious rivalry and we like it that way. So we, we we know we won't make nice at this point, but Scott, why don't you say something nice about LSU and we'll have Marshall respond in kind.
3: Truthfully, LSU is one of the few teams in the SEC that I don't hate. I just have so much respect for LSU as a school, as a football organization. It's always a good game. It's always a fierce rivalry. While I always love to win against LSU, there's just, at least for my end, so much uh, respect for them that I I don't feel that I could ever truly hate them. Coach O is, I mean, how could you fucking hate that guy? I mean, he is Louisiana through and through, minus his record this year. How could you hate him? Of course. But- No, I I really respect the hell out of LSU. And so it's it's always tough to say anything too negative about them because you know the second that you do, it'll make you regret it. Marshall, be nice.
2: (laughs) You know, Scott, you seem like a nice guy, but I don't share those feelings the opposite way. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, the Gator Chomp – it's badass. I can't <laughs> deny that the Gator Chomp is sick. It's so iconic. It makes it really easy to to make y'all angry and mock y'all because we do it at our stadium whenever we're beating y'all. But watching that in in the swamp, that is so cool. I don't think any other school has something that's quite like that. You know, you might have like Gig'Em or something else, but they all seem kind of off brand. I mean, they're nothing. Nothing I think has more of a it's that's such part of a tradition of a college program. That's I love the pageantry of college football and the Gator Chomp is up there with just awesome traditions. I
1: think the only thing that comes close, and I may strike a chord with Scott and I apologize in advance, but the only thing that comes close to the Gator Chomp as far as like just visually impressive is the Florida State yep. war chant. Yeah, that, 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 that when they're all doing
3: back in twenty thirteen when they were all doing I that's, mean, it was like just a, a sea of it in sync. It's fucking sick, man. Oh, cut this part. Just- Florida State that's- is actually a really good time and a fun stadium to go into a thing to.
0: Cut that part.
1: Yeah, we can cut that for you.
3: Yeah, no, We'll
0: definitely cut that. Don't worry
3: about it. I I, I actually did forget. Uh, my actual favorite thing about LSU is neck, which I think is what you guys call it. Uh, neck. That you neck. Ne- What is it? Neck. neck. Yeah, neck. That's the greatest thing in the history of sports. Actually, this is my thing. <laughs> That is the greatest song in the history of sports. When you are, are told to never play it again and you're going to get fined and all of your your successful alumni in the NFL are like, fuck it, we'll pay the fine and you guys still play it and you yell, suck that tiger dick, bitch. Oh God, that is the, oh, that's college football, baby.
1: Wait, so I just I want to tack onto that. And this this may strike a chord. Uh, Scott, just real quick to give you the preface. Fred's is a bar in Baton Rouge that has free drinks on Friday nights. So we talked with Rush Roberts about midnight yell that happens on Friday nights before the game. And I had always thought it was corny and lame. And, you know, who wants to go to the stadium and do a bunch of cheers at midnight on a Friday night? But then he explained it. He's like, you go to the bars with your friends and you show up at the stadium and you, like, just yell a bunch. Imagine going to Fred's free drinks from 7 to 10 and then you just stumble down Nicholson with everybody else who was at Fred's free drinks to tiger stadium. And then you get in there and you just scream, suck that tiger dick bitch for like an hour. And then you go to bed. Man, it's just like, it sounds like the best Friday night you could have.
3: What yeah. more do you want out of
1: life? You yeah. know, like
2: it's, it's perfect <laughs> Scott would word. We need to, we need to make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a word with Scott. <laughs> uh,
0: have people contact, I'll have my people contact your people.
2: Yeah. We'll get in touch.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to send along their contact info. All right, cool. Appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully the game happens. Uh, hopefully it happens as planned and it's a good one and not a stinker.
3: Yeah, hey, guys. guys hey, 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 pleasure as always. Thank you again. Nice
2: talking to you guys.
1: Welcome back to the call. Uh, joining us again to talk UGA Bama from the UGA perspective, we've got Mr. Mark Maxwell, archivist and uh, UGA historian extraordinaire. Mark, thanks for coming on two weeks in a row with us.
0: Great to be here. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Mark, thanks for coming on. Uh, so, huge win for you guys last week. Huge win for you guys, beating the crap out of Tennessee, especially in the second half. I mean, y'all just really manhandled them. So, congratulations to that. Where we're sitting, you guys look like you're the best team in the conference. One thing going into this game, though, that's going to be really interesting um, is the QB play. So, obviously, Alabama's got Matt Jones, um, and you guys have Stetson Bennett, the fourth, injury attorney extraordinaire. Um, if he wins, wins this game, I think that he could really enter the Heisman conversation. What are your expectations for Stetson this weekend?
5: Well, you know, when I saw your questions initially and in, in asking, you know, about Stetson winning the Heisman, I realized that it is 2020, and I guess the world is about to end. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, you know, with, with the Heisman, you know, with LSU getting the Heisman last year, There was no doubt who that quarterback was, right? I mean, yeah, of course. We're talking about a 5th string (laughs) walk-on who's not even six feet tall. What are you talking about? I mean, that would be the coolest story in the world. But it's really not
0: that far-fetched. I mean, he has big wins, and if he wins this weekend, he'll have another one. I mean, it's impressive. It's ridiculous.
5: I, I totally agree with you, and I hope it happens. I just don't think y'all have any idea how ridiculous this is. <laughs> you couldn't make the story up. I just couldn't. So, in any D one school in the country, forget the SEC, but that we got this fifth string walk on, preferred walk on, that somehow wiggled into a starting position, and then he beats Auburn and Tennessee and Arkansas, and might beat Alabama. Yeah, he 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 is. He's the second coming if he does that.
0: Yes,
5: there. I think they're they're setting him up. In fact, I don't know if you can see this right behind me. That's the Tennessee game. But this receiver Jackson, that number ten. I mean, yeah. he's amazing. He's he's so. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, the you know you said that, especially the second half. I don't know if you saw the Tennessee game, but I mean yeah. the second play from scrimmage, we gave him a touchdown.
0: Yeah, yeah, y'all snapped it over.
5: Yeah. yeah. And and, and then picking squirts water on their t- quarterback to get a personal foul. Maybe the dumbest play I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I'm a Georgia guy, I'm a D- Georgia fan, but I'm sorry. That's not cool. And that gave him another chance. And they, so that's like two touchdowns. We just kind of gave it to him. To me, the most exciting thing about the Tennessee game was what happened in the second half and that Georgia didn't quit. They didn't, they, um, and Tennessee's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we were saying
0: that we thought that they may be the second most complete team in the conference. They may not be the second best team, but the second most complete team in the conference. They have a good defense. They have a pretty good offense. So, I mean, the fact that y'all are able to beat them that handily was very impressive. And also with number 10 coming online, that's always good because George Pickens may get suspended the way that he's been acting.
5: <laughs> you know, he did, he did. He got in trouble ten, uh the the Georgia Tech game last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was suspended for first half of SEC championship.
5: Was he really? Yeah, yeah, yes. no, for the SEC championship. Yeah, but he got he got MVP in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You, know we- you know, you know who the last the last MVP in a Sugar Bowl? I'm the historian, right? Yeah. <laughs> to tell, to guess who would be a Georgia player that gets MVP in the Sugar Bowl as a freshman? Herschel, you got it.
1: Yeah. That's the only one you can guess. I mean that's like guess number one. For and it's
5: the only one but that's that's pretty well, that's pretty cool for pickens. I mean he's a good athlete. He's yeah. he's really good. He just needs to everybody just says he's young.
1: He needs to dial it back a little bit. Okay. Moving to question two, we feel like this game is gonna be decided in one of two ways. Can UGA stop Bama in that incredible offense they've got with Mac Jones? Or can UGA keep up with Mac Jones and Alabama's offense? Which way do you think that one goes?
5: I hear a lot of talk that people think it's going to be like a 31 34 kind of game. I don't know. We're really going to, I think our defense is really good because even Tennessee, I mean, we gave them two touchdowns and they, what, what was the final score? Like, oh, it was like 44 to 21. Yeah. yeah I one, of the, one of the touchdowns was just ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know. But then Alabama, they played Old Miss.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Like over a hundred point score or something, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was no, no defense played in that game, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, and it's a night game, I think, yeah. It's a C- yeah. It's yeah. In one
0: CBS primetime game.
5: Wow,
1: they burned it for the whole year on that game.
5: It was, well,
0: CBS. Burned it. It was CBS last week with Tennessee, but there was yeah. a three thirty, right? So, this one's gonna be kicking off in primetime on CBS at 7.30. Um, They get one of those a year. It's tipped in the past few years. It's been LSU Alabama this year. Obviously that's not going to be the case Um, (laughs) this year. It's going to be you guys versus Bama, which is very fitting. Um, That kind of leads me into the, into our last question here. So Nick Saban is 21 and zero against his former coaching tree and Kirby smart obviously is in that coaching tree. He's probably the longest tenured assistant coach that Nick Saban's ever had on the staff. He's the closest to ever beat Nick Saban in that national championship game. Is there a chance that Kirby Smart makes it 21 and one, or do we think that it's going to be 22 and 0 and leave in Tuscaloosa? You think y'all are going to be able to come out with a W, make it 21 and one, or you think it's going to be 22
5: and 0? My two favorite words are eventually and initially. <laughs> <laughs> or initially and eventually. But, you know, I, I did look at the kind of, Saban's just a different guy, right? It's, it's crazy. Just, it's just a magic. Well, I mean, in that, I mean, and you realize in that national championship game at halftime how he changed quarterbacks.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I mean, I don't know if any other coach in the country would have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he no he has to
2: pull that off.
5: No, it, 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 it's, a, and then in the SEC championship, the next year, Tua gets hurt.
2: He, did yeah. the same thing. he
1: went <laughs> the other way.
5: He flipped. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Alabama's second-string quarterback?
1: Uh, Freshman. Oh, Bryce Young. Young.
5: Yeah, Bryce Young. <laughs> you know, he may get some play in time. He
1: could flip him again. Bryce Young's like the same as Tua.
5: Yeah, I mean, because – I mean, he flipped him because what it was hurt in the national championship game, Alabama was horrible in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Whether we prepared for that other quarterback or not, I, I don't know. With my two words, initially and eventually, I'm going to have to go with eventually, Kirby's going to win. It's yeah. probably going to He's, he's certainly-
1: going to get it one, one of these days. He's yeah. the one who's going to do it.
5: Yeah, he I certainly not so. initially. He's 0-2, right? That's, yeah. Think that's right. Yeah. Only played him, I'm pretty sure they've only played twice. And they were both really close games.
0: Yeah, they were. Yeah. So,
5: I mean, I think out of anybody, you know, I was thinking that the Clemson head coach, I, what's his name? I know Alabama. he's an, yeah, he's an Alabama guy. Right. But he's not a Saban guy. Right. Yeah, yeah He's too old. Yeah, <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. right.
5: <laughs> but, um, when was Saban at LSU? He left in 05. But he was good there. He was great there. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, been great everywhere, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Can't stop.
5: So, yeah, uh, eventually and initially. I'm hoping this weekend is eventually.
1: Yeah, this could be the one. I mean, you you guys have the team to do it. Let's close out. You know how we like to close out. Um, but can you say something nice about Bama for us? we got something to put on tape here.
5: Yeah, they're just, just the program. Um, I mean, they're Alabama. I mean, it's almost like I know y'all don't – and I don't hate them. <laughs> I know I'm the only one oh, in the room. I do.
1: We do. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're
5: playing. I respect them. And they always seem to find a way to win. I tell you, ending with I really wanted to research the history of Georgia, Alabama, and just going back to Wally Butts. I mean, Coach Rick is the has the best coaching record against Alabama, and he's just five hundred, three and three. Yeah, Julie was three and five, but he was coaching against Bear Bryant every time. Right. Yeah. So, and then golf was one and three. So, and Coach Rick was interesting. He this first three games against Alabama, he beat him. He was three and zero, oh, and then he lost the next three. So, so,
1: yeah, similar story to Les Miles at LSU.
5: Yeah, so let's hope that – um, I mean, the whole Alabama thing, it, they're just always good. And when you beat them, you've done something. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, that's kind of my – my, um, I don't hate Alabama. I respect them. And I sure hope we can beat them this weekend. That would be really cool. Yeah. Well, I,
1: I hope so, too. We, we touched on it. Neither Clay nor I like those. Yeah. I want to see Alabama Tigers. lose.
0: I
5: don't think LSU is going to be doing it this year. So, they do play Alabama. Every year. Yeah, you
4: have
5: to. Let me ask you this, and this is one question I have. It's on you. Maybe maybe your listeners will enjoy At the beginning of the season, I thought I heard that the SEC was going to play all SEC, and at the end of the day, the two best teams, regardless of the conference, were going to play each other. Is that not true?
0: No. No, it's still East-West.
5: It will be East-West. Okay. So we might get this game twice. Very realistically, we might get this game twice. And if if that's the case, seriously – I want Georgia to lose this weekend.
1: Yeah. Get them a the second lose, time around.
5: They won't lose twice. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, at, look what happened with Auburn. That's just too hard. That's just too hard. Although, yeah. last year's LSU team probably could have beat it teams twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's so painful to live in the past. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up there. Mark, I appreciate your time two weeks in a row. All right. Thanks for coming on.
0: Yeah, thanks. Let's, Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, there it is.
0: <laughs> there it is. Go dogs.
1: All right, welcome into our first fan interview of the week. We've got Frank Shotgun, no matter how you pronounce it, it's Shotgun, from Alabama this week. Huge matchup with Bama UGA. Frank, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. First question for this week. Mac Jones looks incredible. He looks way better than I thought he was going to look. And I think for whenever I mean, he's
0: celebrating touchdowns, he runs down the field. Yeah, like, why does
1: he run like such an idiot? You can answer that in your answer. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he, he's got himself firmly planted within the Heisman conversation. You could argue that this is his first real test with the UGA
4: defense. What are you expecting out of him this week? First question. I think um, last person to wear number ten and quarterback for Alabama, who ran down the field like that to celebrate touchdowns, was AJ McCarron. So. He might be taken after A.J. a little bit in, in that case. Um, they just need Max, to stretch. He needs to do some, like, hamstring stretches or something. <laughs> he's a big guy, you know. Um, yeah. you, you get down to field level, you know, he's 6'3". He's, I feel like his size and um, that kind of gets uh, overlooked a lot of times. But I agree, you know, yeah. he, he has really impressed me. And he he looked good last year, to be honest, at, at the end of the season cleaning up for Tua. Um, him coming in, you know. Being the guy this year, he's really taken on that role. He plays with a very calm demeanor. that I think that's really an asset for him. He's also great under pressure. He's completing like 60% of his passes under pressure. So I think a big thing for Georgia in their pass rush, if they're going to have success in slowing him down, is to get him on the ground rather than just, you know, mess with his cadence or whatever they got to get to him and bring him to the ground. But, yeah, overall, his – I mean, his stats are unbelievable through the first three games – you know, he's pro football focus has him as the second best quarterback in college football right now. And from an Alabama fans perspective, nothing wrong with Mac Jones in the offense right now. You know, so this is definitely the biggest test for him, going up against this very elite defense, probably just about the only elite defense in the SEC right now, which is kind of sad to say. But um, what the hell, man? Why'd you it yeah. <laughs> it's 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 definitely going to be definitely going to be a great matchup, and uh, I think he's ready for it.
0: Well, so, Frank, kind of piggybacking off of that great defense question, uh, looking at this game after watching the Tide and watching the Bulldogs play this past weekend, I foresee two, one of two things happening. Either UGA is going to be able to stop Alabama's offense or UGA is not going to be able to stop Alabama's offense and they're going to have to keep up with Alabama's offense. What do you think is going to happen? you think Alabama's going to be able to move the ball? Or do you think that UGA is going to stifle them and it's just going
4: to turn into a slugfest? So I do believe UGA can stop Alabama. I also believe that they can score to keep up with Alabama if it comes into a offensive slugfest. Um, I think early on, um, I could see Alabama struggling at the beginning, especially with running the ball against Georgia's front seven. Really, nobody has run with success against Georgia. I think they're averaging just under – 40 yards a game to running backs. Actually, the last time a running back scored a touchdown against them was 2018 SEC Championship game, Josh Jacobs. So going up against that, yeah, going up against that elite uh, rush defense and Alabama's going to have to come out Early passing, open the lanes up for Najee Harris. But Georgia on the offensive side—if if, if you you watch the Ole Miss-Alabama game last weekend, anybody can score on this Alabama defense right now, which is really sad to say. So yeah, if it, if, it, if Georgia has to score and score fast and keep up, they're definitely not built to do that. But the current Alabama defense is will probably allow them to do that.
0: Are Alabama fans wanting to put Nick Saban on the hot seat the same way LSU fans are wanting to
4: fire Bill Pellini?
0: If any Alabama
4: fan <laughs> puts Nick Saban on the hot seat, they uh, they probably hear hear a couple words from me, and uh, I wouldn't consider them an Alabama fan <laughs> or somebody who went to the school. They probably live just live in the state. Um, but no, everybody wants Pete Golden's head right now. He's the scapegoat right now. Um, but I did appreciate Saban's comments. You know, he's he's supporting the players and he he believes he's he's got the players and, 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 and can turn the defense around. Um but with, with COVID and the short um practices leading up, you know, I don't I think only Georgia is the is the SEC team that knows how to tackle um this year so far. So I think Pete Golden is 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 who everybody's gunning for right now.
0: Okay. Well it's
1: I expected offenses to struggle more than defenses with COVID and a lack of like in person contact and practice and everything like that, but it seems like it's the opposite. The offenses got their installs done. They're making all the reads they need to, and defenses just didn't get that physical one on one practicing that they needed to 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 be adequate. Maybe someone should do a deep dive into UGA and see if they broke the rules or something. They probably did. Something (laughs) seems fishy there. And then you you mentioned Nick Saban being on the hot seat. Uh I agree with you. Any Bama fan would be crazy to put him on the hot seat and ask for his job. But as the LSU fan, I've had him on my hot seat for,
4: gosh, years, a decade. I want Ever, since, ever since he left for the Dolphins, man. No, we yeah. were happy for him, man.
0: It was just whenever he came back and was like, hey, by the way, remember all those good times we had? Yeah, forget that.
1: <laughs> well, and even that year, I was like, oh, no big deal. He stinks now because they lost Louisiana Monroe. How wrong I was. I just – just, let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> well, shit, here we go. We've got to talk about it. Question three. <laughs> Nick, <Saban's> not, <laughs> Nick Saban is 21-0 against this coaching tree. Uh, his assistants look pretty good against everybody else but him. What do you think is the reason for that level of success against his prodigies? And do you think it
4: continues this week with Kirby Smart? So, one, that's a remarkable stat. I was talking with uh, Clay before we got on, and I was wondering, you know, Belichick, who's very similar to Saban, does not have a near, uh impressive record against his former coaches as Saban does. And Clay didn't mention that um, the talent discrepancy is, is a lot more even in the NFL than it is in college. And, we all know Saban's elite recruiter, probably the best to ever uh, recruit in college football. So he's always got a little bit more talent in his player, players and than his predecessors that or people that hear his opponents that he's playing against. But really, I really pin it on, he really, really knows how to dig deep and dive into his coaches. And he really learns their strengths and their weaknesses and what makes them tick while he's hiring them, while they're there and, and before they leave. So anybody that walks out of that door, he is going to know the ins and outs of their playing style, their scheme, and what they like and what they do not like. So I think that's really attributed to going 21-0 against his former coaches. I think another reason is maybe he doesn't show everything that he's got up his sleeve. You know, he, he, uh, he's hiding something. He's got to be hiding something because if he gives, gives these guys the keys to everything and they, they, they go out and go to Georgia you know, and Kirby, Kirby's done a great job. He hasn't gotten over the hump yet and won a national championship. Maybe that one thing that could lead him to that championship is, is something that Saban has, has been able to keep. Just to himself.
1: Yeah, and it almost seems like Nick Saban has this standard of performance or standard of professionalism for his players and his coaches. And he's like hard on everybody around him to maintain that standard of performance and standard of excellence. And I just think Georgia, Tennessee, all these other schools hire people away with the expectation that their assistants are going to bring that standard of excellence. And the, uh, the grit and the assertiveness to install it in each different university. And it's just not possible to be as, like, mean and stern and, you know, get people in line the way Sabin does. And I think that's – to me, from the outside looking in, that's what he does different than everybody else. There's no one more disciplined than a Nick Saban coach team, in, yeah. in my eyes, about the little things at least.
0: Well, the other thing is that the coaching staff hasn't earned that level of being able – to demand that. Yeah. They, just, they just haven't. The only one that, the only person that has earned that right is Nick Saban. Kirby Smart's probably the closest one to having earned that respect level. And he's not even in the same conversation as Nick Saban yet. He could be someday, but not yet. Um, so, Frank, one thing that we like to do to kind of wrap these interviews up obviously, on Saturday in primetime on CBS, you're going to hate dogs. But you have to live with the dogs a little bit in your normal life. So we like to, instead of making the enemies, make friends.
4: So can you say something nice about the Georgia Bulldogs? I can. I've actually got two things to say. One is a half compliment, half insult. But I will say the first thing, um, they've got great uniforms. You know, they've got great throwback uniforms. You know, it's, they're not too complicated. It's And they stick to what, what, what they've done um, for, you know, 20, 30 years and, I've always, I've always thought they had good uniforms. The other thing is it's been 40 years since Georgia's last national championship. If you talk to any of their fans, students, alumni, the, the, the way they carry themselves and the, and the, the bravado or it's pretty impressive. You would think that they've, they've won just as much national championships as Alabama. So <laughs> their, their ego, I guess, if you want to say is uh They've got good confidence in themselves, even even with that forty year drought of national the championship.
1: They've got unfazed self confidence despite a complete lack of total performance.
4: Correct. Yes. Hey, and I admire that confidence.
1: Yeah, it's, They just don't have anything to back
4: it. it up, you know?
1: <laughs> Well, as a fan of the defending national champion LSU Tigers, I can't relate as we sit here on the eve of us going one
4: and three. But it's it has not been. 40 years since your last national championship. That's year, true. That, so that confidence, it's still there and it's fresh. And, and you know, you know, you know, speaking this year, you can poke fun at yourself knowing that just last year you were putting a ring on your finger.
1: Hey, and how about this? You're the defending national champions
0: until you're not anymore. And we are still. No one's won a championship yet. If the nope. season was
4: cut short today, y'all would still be the defending national champion.
0: All right, let's root for Kevin. Okay. it <laughs>
1: yep season's over
4: <laughs> wrap it up
1: <laughs> all right awesome Franks, thanks for coming on uh, it was a great interview we enjoyed having you yeah Frank, absolutely thanks. Thanks. thank you
0: talk all. Soon. all right guys welcome back to the studio one thing that we missed in the intro section we were recording if we can't not talk about it is what happened in the Arkansas Auburn game I mean that was an absolutely ridiculous ending to a football game I can't believe it happened
1: yeah Arkansas totally got shafted and there's no amount of apologizing or sending letters to the SEC office or anything that's going to make Sam Pittman feel any better
0: but I mean Bo Nix muffs the snap and then turns around and spiked it backwards how is that not called a fumble on the field
1: he can't even throw the ball forward he stinks so bad I mean he can't even like hit the correct hat like he literally just has to throw it on 50% of the field that's in front of his feet. and He can't do it. So I maintain hey. Bo Nix stinks at football.
0: He stinks. 100% stinks.
1: So we're obviously not going to talk about LSU-Florida because that game was uh, recently postponed until December 12th. So hopefully we can get back to that one and talk about it then. But uh, let's get into Alabama-Georgia. This is a matchup that's was highly touted before the season and remains highly touted with the number two two team and the number three team playing against each other. And I think this is going to be a fun one. And I'd add on to that that the SEC needs to figure out how to get these two teams to play every single year twice uh, because it's going to be a good one.
0: Well, it definitely is going to be a good one this year. It has yet to happen with Kirby Smart as the coach at Georgia to not be a good game. Until it's not a good game with Kirby Smart there – I agree with you. they got to figure out a way to make this game happen all the time. I know Nick Saban doesn't want that, but I don't really care what Nick Saban wants. He's got everything he wants in the world. So let's give him a little bit of struggle.
1: Let's right. start taking things away from him. Let's take yeah. away that Vanderbilt game. Let's take away that Tennessee game.
0: Yeah, well, now the Tennessee game is not even looking that hard, that easy. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think that this is the best, best chance that a former Saban coach has had to beat him since – Kirby's smarter than the your
1: championship. Yeah. Now's the time, if ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it, what it's going to come down to is can Georgia stop Alabama? I don't know if they're going to be able to stop them that much, but we'll see. It's going to yeah. be fun. Though, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's end it there. Thanks for listening if you made it this far. Uh, like us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, at fans only meeting, and I uh, appreciate the support, guys.
0: Yeah, Have guys, been- thanks for listening.